This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. Good morning, Access. Happy Sunday. Happy summer. Feels like it is the start of summer. Anybody else feeling it? Feeling like, you know, you're just going to go. Honestly, honestly, a lot of times it feels like summer weather-wise here, but just mentally it feels more like summer now, and that's exciting. I am so thrilled to be with you here today. Um, summer has started for us. My kids are out of school. Last night we went to a baseball game. We saw the Rays play the Yankees, and I'm from New York City. Anybody else from New York in the house? We heard you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That one purse, those two souls. Thank you. Uh, We lost last night. The Yankees lost, but it's okay. Um, We had a really great time. There was snacks, uh, which honestly is a large part of my investment in the game. Uh, I got popcorn in a hat, so that was incredible. Just a win all around. Um, But it was a really fun time. I was thinking about summer this week and thinking about um, when I was younger, summer means something very different. You know, when you're a kid, like summer, you have no responsibilities. Um, As an adult, not a ton changes for summer. It's like, yeah, I still have to adult and I still have to pay bills and do things, but, um, you know, it's okay. So I was thinking about how when I was little, uh, in sixth grade, I was very influenced, you know, by the TV shows I watched or, or whatever it was. And I had, I'm so ashamed to admit, a sixth grade boyfriend. Um, we will call him Steven because that was his name. And, um, so Steven sent a note to me and said, you know, can we go out? And I was like, Yes. And, you know, oh, there goes my And he was, it was very serious. Um, in fact, we actually didn't speak for the, like, eight months. We were, quote, unquote, dating. Uh, we would pass each other in the hallway, and I'd do sort of like a dolphin, like a... And that was it. That was the whole relationship. Like, that was it. But, you know, we were dating. Um, but then I read in, like, a Babysitter's Club book that this girl, Marianne, had met a lifeguard. And so she you know, found love with the lifeguard. And so I just thought like, I really need to be on my own this summer. Um, so I've got to break it off with Steven. I've got I've to break it off. So I broke up with him, like also in a note, obviously. And um, I just like now looking back, I've actually brought a picture of myself from sixth grade because like, I probably devastated him. Um, <laughs> Like, and if you're watching, Stephen, like, I hope you've found peace. Um, I hope you have moved on with your life. I have, um, but, like, I probably killed him. I mean, I probably devastated him. Um, so, you know, but I had to be free. I had to find myself for the summer. So it was very serious. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's really what I thought about for summer. And in this summer... We have so far been in a series called The Path of Most Resistance. Have you enjoyed this series so far? Are you enjoying it? Yeah. It's been really step on toesy, uh, and people come up to me every week. They're like, how did your husband know, you know, what I'm going through? I'm like, I know. Like, I feel the same way, and it's very irritating because he actually does know what I'm going through, so it feels very pointed. Um, but it's been a really incredible message series. This week, I decided to talk on the path of most resistance and where it comes to knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus is the uh, topic I want to talk about today. Our whole message series has been out of one verse, and it's from Matthew 18, and it says this. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So this whole idea has been that, hey, being a follower of Jesus is not simple. In fact, sometimes it's going to look like the path of most resistance, but this is what we are called to. So today I want to talk to you about 
knowing Jesus. Did you grow up singing in youth group the song like I did? It said, I want to know you. I want to. Very good. Very good. Most of you, very good. Um, it was very good. So we, we have all sung this. We have all said, I want to know Jesus. But I want to look at what does it mean to know Jesus? What does it mean to know him? I think there's a big difference between when we say we know Jesus and what it actually looks like. Um, for those of you 18 and under-ish in the room, I was going to tell you a story about uh, a call I got one day when I was about 20 on our landline. But I want to explain first what that is for those of you young. So a landline uh, was a telephone. You, you, it was in your house. And believe it or not, it had to stay in the house. So you could not take it with you. Uh, you cannot take a picture with it. Uh, you cannot see anyone through it. Um, and you didn't know who was calling. I mean, eventually we got like fancy uh, caller ID and all that. But it was honestly phenomenal. I'm a pranker. I loved prank calling. That was like the sleepover thing. Do you ladies know? Um, anyway, that was good times, simpler times. So this landline, we get a call one day, and I pick up the phone, and immediately, I'm going to shoot like a name, like Tim Jones. Okay, he's like, hey, Liz, it's Tim Jones. And I'm like, hey. And like, I'm racking my brain, like, who is Tim Jones? Tim Jones, Tim Jones. And I'm like, I don't want to say who, you know, so I'm just like, I'll just keep talking, and I'm sure it'll come to me. So I'm like, how are you, Tim? And he's like, good. And I'm like, good. How are you? He's like, how's everything going with singing? And I'm like, good. How's it going for you with singing? And he's like, no, that would be crazy. I'm like, that would be crazy. That would be so crazy, Tim. Tim, that'd be so crazy because you don't sing. Um, and we go through, I promise you, an eight-minute phone call. And it's just not coming. <laughs> like, I don't know him. <laughs> so eight minutes into the call, I mean, we've exchanged our hardships. Like, we've really gone deep with each other. And um, eight minutes, I'm finally like, I'm so sorry. Who is this? You know, I really didn't know who this was. I think by that point, I knew a lot about him, but I really just didn't know him. <laughs> and I think a lot of uh, us nowadays can do that with social media. Like, we follow someone. So we're like, I know what's going on in their life. Like, people come up to me and say, like, oh, how's Joey's broken finger? I'm like, good, good. Who are you? You know, like, hey, I saw that it was your, uh, you've been struggling, right? You got that, this and that. And we know we live in a world where people overshare on the internet. So sometimes, man, y'all, I know stuff about you I didn't even really want to know. Um, but, you know, we feel like we know a lot about each other. Uh, but can I tell you, knowing about someone is not the same thing as knowing someone. Knowing some, some about someone is not the same as knowing someone. So I want to talk about what that looks like with Jesus. If we all say we want to know him, which I, I think we do, then what does that look like? And I want to bring out four characteristics that I think we can all benefit from. And the first is this, to know him is to love him. To know him is to love him. Have you ever met somebody and it was sort of a love at first sight? Um, when I met my husband, it wasn't like immediate love at first sight, but I, I was dating my husband's roommate and that's how we met. <laughs> and I just felt very connected to him. I thought it was awesome. We did this all above board. We broke up. We asked the roommate. He was a groomsman at our wedding. Very cool. Uh, but I, I felt connected to Jason immediately when I met him. And when I had my children, the moment I saw them, I loved them. There was no need to get to know them. I just loved them, right? Because they are my little squishy nine-pound tanks. Um, and I loved them immediately. Uh, for me, it is very much that experience. Anytime I see a dog, I just, I love it. If you have a dog, I probably love it. Tell it. Tell it I love it. Um, have you similarly had the opposite experience where you met someone and sort of immediately didn't like them? They gave you sort of 
bad vibes, yeah. But to know Jesus is to immediately love him because Jesus is love. In fact, the Bible says we love because he loved us. We're not even able to love without God because God is love. But when you meet Jesus, you cannot help but love him. You cannot help but love him. Scripture says this in Ephesians 3, and it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In the church, we use the phrase, um, the peace that passes understanding. You've probably seen that this week in light of tragedy. If someone passes, we often say, I pray over you the peace that passes understanding. Well, Scripture also says his love passes our understanding. I, I struggle with that. I struggle to know how God could love me so much. Me, all my sinfulness, all my bad attitudes, all my, all my struggles. He, he loves me so much. He loved the world so much. God loved our world so much that he sent Jesus. And Jesus came and ministered to people who would later spit on him, deny him, crucify him. That is the love of God. When you know that, how could you help but love him? And you know, to say to know him is to love him. A lot of us don't really act that way, you know? Like, if I was in a dating relationship, I want you to vocally love me. I want you to tell me that you love me. I want to show that you love me. I want you to be proud of me, right? And we say we love Jesus, but we don't talk about him. But things I love, I can't shut up about, like, truly, truly. I have friends in the room, they're like, please stop talking about, you know, whatever, because it's just like, we know, we get it. You love M&Ms. Like, I'm like, but I love them. They're so small, but they're so powerful. You know what I mean? Like, I can't stop talking about them because I love them, but we love God. We love Jesus, but we are so quiet about him. Similarly, you'll see me on the front row. I'm a very active worshiper. You may giggle. You're like, she is pushing 40. She does not need to be moving like that. And it's okay, because when I think about Jesus, I think of his attributes, you know, I, I think of the God who healed my body, the God who was bruised for my iniquities and pierced for my transgressions. When, when I think about Jesus, I think about nights I cried myself to sleep, nights that I was bound in depression, but God healed me, but God gave me hope. So I think about that. When I, when I think about worship and I speak the name of Jesus, I think about the hope I have that defies circumstance, that even when I'm walking through terrible times, he gives me his peace and his hope. And that's why I'm a little crazy over there. And that's okay, because to know him is to love him. And I will show it, because I really, really love him. So the second one is this, similarly, to know him is to love like him. It's in love like him. We say, well, I love him. And he, he, he tells us, in fact, how to love. He says it like this in Scripture. He says in Matthew 5, 43, he says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I'm like, yeah, I got that, I got that. He said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How you doing with that? <laughs> how you doing with that one? Well, that one's hard, you know? We like the first part of the verse. We're like, yeah, hate my enemies. Love the people. Can I stop and take a step back? Like, honestly, 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 church, something that has broke my heart in the last two years is we can't even love each other in the same pew. 
Like we are so divided. We can't even love like Jesus to the point that we love those who worship in the same church that we do. And like, I feel like Liz unleashed today because like Jason's not here and it's summer. It's just an exciting day. So let me tell you, my family, families of people that I love, we've gotten flack because they're like, well, you're hanging out with people and I don't agree with their lifestyle. It's like, okay, yeah, we are. We're hanging out with them. We're loving them. That doesn't mean we're endorsing them. It means that when God gives us the chance, we will stay where we are in the holy moment to speak the truth of God. And how can you do that if all you're doing is standing on the side, judging, persecuting, and pointing fingers? God will give me a chance to speak the truth. What about you? We're so busy not even loving those around us. How can we love those that are our enemies? Jesus loved everybody. Jesus, Scripture says, was hanging out with sinners regularly. Jesus wasn't just hanging out with people in the same tax bracket as him, who, if he had voted, would have voted like him. No, Jesus was hanging out with all, and then when the moment came, he spoke the truth in love. Notice his love didn't equal his affirmation or his endorsement. It was just relationship, and I will do that And some of you are saying, we don't like it. We don't like when we see you hanging out with people. Okay, we're glad they're here. We're really glad they're here. We hope they stay and find Jesus and know his truth that will set them free. That's all you will ever hear from us. I'm sorry if that offends. We will love like Jesus loved. And that means loving people who don't look like me. Okay? The third thing is this. To know him is to know his power. We really like this one. I think this is the one when we get our Jesus card that we're like, I love this one. I wanted this one. Uh, The scripture says in uh, Philippians, it says this. It says, we're going to read the first part of the verse. I want to know Christ. Yes. So passionate. I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection. We're going to stop there. We're going to come back to the verse and you'll see why. But it also says this in uh, Romans. It says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Are you living that way? I know I'm not always living that way. I know that I'm walking around with a Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in me, but what am I doing? I'm worrying. I'm complaining. I'm fighting for control. So instead of living like I have the power of a living God in me, I'm walking around defeated. I'm walking around like it's my last hope to offer up a prayer that I hope changes my life. No, are you walking in the power of Jesus that is in you? The power of Jesus is in you. And am I living that way or am I living defeated? Do I show him by the way I live that that's how I believe? You say, you went through those first three really fast. Yes, because I really want to camp out on number four if that's okay. And it's this, to know him is to know his suffering. To know him is to know his suffering. Let's go back to the verse in Philippians 3. It says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and, everybody say end, participation in his sufferings, becoming like him, in his death. Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. That is not what I signed up for. Paul, when he writes this, is so desperate to know Jesus that he says, I want to know him. I want to know his power. Yeah, but I even want to know his suffering. Wow. 
Wow. And the truth of the matter is that a lot of Christians are good with the power part, and then suffering enters the picture, and we say, I want off the bus. This is where the road ends for me. In fact, Jesus' own disciples, these 12 that he handpicked, we're good. They're like, I love the part where we're walking around town, performing miracles, getting clout for it. And then the night, he was arrested, about to be crucified. What did they do? They split. They were like, I'm good with the power part. I want to be powerful, but I'm not here so much for the sufferings. Everybody sort of thinks, I read that verse, like, I want to know him, I want to know the power. Like, let's go back to that part. Let's just ignore the second part. No, we can't because it's there. See, a lot of people want a mountaintop view, but you don't want to take the hike up to the mountain to get the view. And I understand this. Um, I am like an achiever child. In fact, I just went to my kids' um, awards things, and they get awards for literally everything. And that is so cool, but I am here to say we should normalize giving adults more trophies. Like, we don't get trophies anymore. Um, so I had found out about 5Ks and that there's medals. And so I was like, amazing. Like, I want medals. Um, the only problem was you do have to run the 5K to get the medal. And so I take major issue with that. Um, and it seems like a good idea. Like one summer I signed up for like three that summer and I was like, I'm gonna do them. I am going to, you know, run the 5K and it'll be so great. And like a mile in, I was like, no, it's just like, it's just a stupid medal anyway. I could probably just, I'll probably just, everybody wants the medal. You don't wanna run the 5K, right? You want the mountaintop, but you don't want the valley it took to get there. You want the position, you don't want the pain. You want the power that raised Jesus from the dead, but you you know, peace out when he says, oh, and we also have suffering. You're like, not for me. Get off the bus. I'll go find something. I, I found about myself that I will do everything to avoid discomfort for myself. I, I hate to say it, but I like comfort. I mean, I'll buy a comfier pillow if the pillow I have isn't working. I'll buy a better blanket if the blanket's too fuzzy. I will pick better shoes. Maybe not always that one, honestly. If I'm honest, that one I will endure. Um, but we go out of our way to avoid discomfort. And can I tell you the most silly thing since the news that water was wet, but discomfort is uncomfortable. And if we were told in this series that I want you to take up your cross and follow me. Why are we so surprised that that's uncomfortable? Can I tell you what the cross was in Jesus' time? The cross was a purposeful instrument of torture. If they had just wanted to crucify Jesus, they could have done that very quickly. Now, the cross was designed for elongated, stretched out, optimum suffering. Jesus was up there for hours. I think like seven to nine hours before he breathed his last. So is it any wonder if the verse he, the language he uses for us is take up your cross, that it might get a little uncomfortable? If we're called to take up our cross, maybe it's going to get a little painful sometimes. But we don't lean into suffering. We don't think, oh, this is something I'm doing to know Jesus more. No, we distract ourselves. We say, I'll just uh, 
jump on social media. I'm feeling something uncomfortable. I don't like it. Instead of dealing with it, I'm going to just distract myself. Or we numb ourselves. Alcohol, drugs, sexuality, whatever it is. We'll just numb. I don't want to deal with this pain, so I will numb myself so I don't have to encounter discomfort. You know, like you tell your kid, don't touch the stove. Well, don't touch the stove, right? That's an easy one. <laughs> here's, here's one in the church that we do, and I, I hate to say it, but instead of sometimes leaning into suffering, we face something uncomfortable, and we rebuke the devil. Got very quiet. It's okay. I believe the devil is real, right? But every time you have a pebble in your shoe, it doesn't mean you have to rebuke the devil. Because sometimes... You're going through something as an assignment that is carving out of you greater capacity to know Jesus. And you're over there rebuking the devil in every shade and every shadow. And he's like, I'm not even involved in this. I, I grew up in, in um, a small Christian school and a girl in my school, her mom passed away at a very young age, like 13 years old. And her dad didn't want her to abandon God. So he just said to her, God is good. The devil killed your mom. And we theologically don't believe the devil has power over life and death. I understand his heart as a parent. How could a 13-year-old, let alone a 39-year-old, understand that tragedy happens? But he just thought, you know, God good, devil bad. If I teach her that, she'll be okay. And that is okay until you realize that to know Jesus is to know his suffering. And that is okay until you realize that to know him means sometimes the path isn't straight. <laughs> A lot of times we face something uncomfortable and we immediately assume it's not God. Why? Why? What's there that said it was going to be comfortable all the way? I would like to suggest something maybe radical, but I don't think we can fully know God if we don't know some level of pain some level of suffering. Why? Well, because that carves out of us self. Um, in my life, I've seen some suffering. It's funny, uh, I always forget that the church is, there's so many new people, not everybody knows our story. Some of you have heard it a thousand times, but when I was 23, I was diagnosed with cancer, and we had been married six months. Um, so, very strange for two students who were ministry students, like, we're going to go change the world and, you know, all these good things. And I remember I had this moment where it was like, okay, I'm going to either continuing to fight with God or I'm going to surrender, not to cancer, but to trusting that he truly has a plan, that he could make something of it. And I fought for a while first. I got caught in what I call the circle of why, which is just like, why? Why did you allow this? Why is there suffering? Why do some people get healing this side of earth and some don't? Why? It doesn't make sense. It makes me angry. And no peace came from that time of questioning why. In fact, I remember something that happened during that time that was so funny. It's not funny. <laughs> My son needed stitches. That is not that funny. I guess that's not that funny. I don't know. He's fine. Um, it was obviously our middle son, because that's their thing. Um, but he ran into the bed. He needed stitches. We take him to the emergency. I almost said vet. Oh, my gosh. I'm a good mother. I promise. <laughs> take him to the emergency vet. Wait. Um, <laughs> we take him to the emergency after hours. Pediatrician. 
And he says, you know, I'm gonna, I need to give him stitches. I need to stitch him up. I'm like, of course, we suspected. And uh, he says to me and Jason, can you lay down on, like hold him down, you know, while we stitch him up? And I'm like, oh gosh, nobody wants to do that. You know, and my sweet baby is crying and he's in pain. So we lay down on him. We hold his arms down so he can't fight the doctor and hold his legs and doctor's stitching him up. And he looks at us with such betrayal. (sighs) Mom, dad, like in his little 18 month mind, all he's known us as is providers, is the giver of treats, is the giver of cuddles. And we are all those things, but in that moment he needed stitches. Is love saying to him, oh, I love you son, I don't want you to suffer. Let's not get the stitches, let's go home and get ice cream. No, then that literally won't work. He had to have stitches. And I knew that, and Jason knew that, but my son didn't know that. He just knew that he was in pain, and it looked like his providers were doing nothing about it. And pain hurts, and pain is real, and yet his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. When I realized that, I realized that I could stop asking why. Start asking what. Lord, I'm uncomfortable. What are you doing in my pain? Not, how could you let this happen? I trusted you. Instead, what are you doing? I've, I've known suffering, but I have known Jesus in my suffering. That is the difference for a believer. Not that we have been promised a perfect path, but that when we suffer, he is with us. He redeems our pain. You know, it's, it's funny because because I got cancer so young, Jason and I went through a lot as a young married couple. I mean, that's a strange thing to go through. And I could tell you we are better for that. You know, he'll do premarital counseling and someone will come in and be like, we love each other so much. We've never fought. And I'm like, <laughs> it's not like I'm pro fighting. Like, go home and fight. I just mean, you don't really know somebody until you've kind of, gone through. It'd be really strange if I hadn't been married to Jason when I went through cancer because telling him later would not have been the same thing as the guy who slept on the hospital floor every night I was there. As the guy who would carry me because I was so weak, my hemoglobin would go to four or five when it should be 12 and I needed bags and bags of blood for transfusion. As the guy who came in and helped me shave my head. It's very different to tell you about that now than for him to have lived that. But he knows me because he walked with me through that. Do you know Jesus? Or do you know about him? Jesus himself, when he was getting ready. He knew he was about to be arrested, which would lead to his crucifixion. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says this. It says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup, this suffering, be taken from me. Jesus, Jesus, perfect Jesus, even is like, I don't want to do this. 
I don't want to go and bleed for people that will mock me. I don't want to bleed for the same ones who denied me. This is going to be awful. But what does he say? He says, yet, not as I will, but as you will. The surrender, not to what was about to happen, the surrender to God, to his sovereignty, to his plan, trusting. Instead of asking the why, asking the what. Stop assuming because something is uncomfortable. It's not of God. It could very much be the thing you need. When we went through cancer, a counselor told Jason, God is carving out of you too early on in your marriage the capacity to know him more. And I did know him deeply in my suffering because I was desperate for him. Can't he teach me that on a sunny day? I wish. <laughs> but I know I know him more because he carried me through my darkest days. Carried me through my hardest times. You know, when Jesus was crucified the day after he prayed this, he gives up his last breath, and it says there's a guard there, and the guard looks at the way Jesus died, it says in Scripture, and says, surely this man was the Son of God. He says, surely this man was the Son of God. After he saw him do miracles? No. After he saw him feed the 5,000? No. After he saw him suffer and die, he said, surely this was the Son of God. Why? Because when we are hard-pressed, what comes out of us is beautiful. And one of the most genuine testimonies we have to the world of the God we claim to know and love. In those times of suffering, he is near. So I want to pray for us today. I want to pray for two groups of us. I want to pray for those of us who have never met Jesus and you want to accept him today into your life. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? No one is looking around. And if you'll just say today, hey, Liz, I have never even really made that decision or I made it so long ago that I don't even remember anymore, but I want to know Jesus. I want to know the God that can take what I'm going through and redeem it and make beauty from ashes, the God that can change my story, the God that is so loving that he helps me to love all and that powerful God. I want to know him today, and I either never have met him or it's been a long time. If you want to pray today to make Jesus the Lord of your life while no one is looking, will you just raise your hand, and we're going to pray for you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Will you just pray in your own words this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, today I am asking you to come into my life. I surrender to you. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me. Make me new. Today, I want to start my journey with you, Lord. So I give it all up to you today, in Jesus' name. And I want to pray for a second group of us today. Those of us who have claimed to know him, yet we just know about him. We don't really know him. Take a moment of self-reflection. Do I, do I love him? Do I love like him? Do I know his power? Do I know his suffering? Have I balked at the idea of fully going all the way with Jesus because it cost me something? If that's you today, with your own heart, with your own words, just take this moment to rededicate your life to knowing him completely and say this, say, Lord, it's time to stop playing around. I don't just want to know about you. You're not a trivia question to me. I really want to know you to where it makes a difference in my life. 
I want to know you to where I look different. I want to know you to where I walk in a different way. I want to know you to where it counts and not just hear this message today and move on, but I want to know you the rest of my week as I wrestle with this, as I go to your word, as I ponder what it means to not just know about you, but to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, friends, look up at me. So many people just raised their hand to receive Jesus into their life. Will you give God some praise for that? Because that is awesome.